Germantown Presbyterian Church. It is a delight to welcome everybody to uh, our sanctuary for worship this morning. And I am all twisted up as usual. Good morning. It's so great to see everybody here in person. It's great to welcome everybody who is worshiping with us online this morning. Again, welcome to Germantown Presbyterian Church. Welcome one and all. You know what Psalm 118, 24 says? I know you do. Some of you know it by memory. You know this. This is the day that the Lord has made. So what? Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you. This is a great day for us to be here. It's a wonderful day to, for us to gather together to worship God and to be together as brothers and sisters in Christ. So welcome one and all to this worship service. If you're worshiping with us online, I invite you to find the bulletin that's there online. You can download the bulletin. You can follow along with us in our worship service. You can uh, do all the parts at home that we'll do here in our sanctuary. And you can join us and we will uh, worship together even if we are in a slightly uh, different geographical location than usual, a little further south than our church property than usual, or if you're at home, we are so grateful that we can worship God together. Please do download our bulletin. Please do sign the online friendship pad. If you're worshiping with us online, please go to that tab on the website and uh, click that and sign our online friendship pad. More and more people have been doing that every week. And that's been great to see those who are worshiping with us online and to see your names, to, uh, to, to see your faces after the names and to pray for you and to thank you for worshiping with us online. Our evening worship service is on this evening. It will be on at 6 o'clock. It will be here in our sanctuary. And uh, we'll worship God again this evening as always, 6 o'clock for our contemporary service here at GPC. Our, our children's Sunday school and our youth Sunday school uh, were canceled already today because of the streets. There's still so much ice around and it's still so cold and in so many places. We didn't want some of our youth to get out and to, to slip and slide on that. And, and parents also trying to get kids here for Sunday school. So um, we, we canceled children's and youth Sunday school today. Our youth group for this afternoon is uh, canceled as well, but our evening worship service is on. Save the date for Nakomi. It's going to be a great Nakomi this year. It's going to be, again, a little bit earlier, two weeks earlier than usual. So the last day of April, April the 30th through May 2nd. And so, again, a wonderful weekend up there in Middle Tennessee. It's going to be a lot of fun. Our Congregational Life Committee is working so hard on, on making that a great experience for everybody. A survey has gone out through various church uh, emails and church distribution lists, and so we invite you to fill in that survey and to send that back so that our Congregational Life Committee can have uh, an understanding of how, much, how many people to plan for and uh, what to plan for, and so um, I'm going. It's going to be a great weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun, and it will be really special for us. We didn't get to go last year for obvious reasons, and so um, if you're looking for a really fun weekend getaway, sort of a mini vacation, but to be with your family and with your church family, please do sign up for Nakomi on that April 30th through May 2nd date. And please send the survey back, and please fill that out and send that back. So, obviously, a lot of our plans for this week uh, were changed due to all the snow and ice, and so we didn't have our Ash Wednesday service. We didn't have um, our drive-through Ash Wednesday experience, but I really do want to encourage you, once our, our devotional booklets are up and available, we're going to make those available in PDF form, and we'll make those available in hard copy we want us to, to join together in this season of Lent as a church family. There will be devotional materials for children, youth, for folks with special needs, for all families. And we'll have those available for you first thing this week. They will be available either in PDF form by tomorrow or the hard copies will get out and make those available as soon as possible. So please do join in all of our Lenten series uh, devotionals and all of our of our going through this journey of Lent together as a family of faith. Guess who's Zooming to dinner was a great success last night. Uh, there were uh, several people, many people, over 20 people who Zoomed in together for Guess Who's Zooming Together. And uh, I, I've been told it was a lot of fun and everybody had a great time. 
people who didn't know each other as well getting to know each other. And so thank you again to our Congregational Life Committee for guests who Zooming together last night. I hear that it was lots of fun. I'm sorry that I missed it. So let's talk a little bit about the Great Flood. <laughs> and I'm not talking about Noah and the ark and the scripture lesson for this morning that was chosen a long time ago, so it's strangely enough, but we'll hear more about that later from Kirsten, and I can't imagine somebody I'd rather hear preach today than Kirsten King, and so we're grateful for Kirsten, our seminary intern, for, uh, for leading our worship service and preaching God's Word this morning. Let's talk about the great GPC flood of 2021 and what happened and what we're doing to recover. So you may know this, on Friday evening, one of our sprinkler system pipes burst and it uh, put a tremendous amount of water out over the narthex and it went down the hall toward the parlor and into the parlor part of the bride's room and then most uh, crucially of all it went into the sanctuary and so our sanctuary was covered in an inch or two of water for an extended amount of time and then where did the water go due to gravity it went down into the children's wing of the church and the, and the children's Sunday school area. And so we've had a massive amount of flood damage uh, here at GPC on Friday evening. And so um, uh, that is something that uh, we are disappointed in, we're upset about, we're sad about. Um, but you know what I think of when I think about the strength of GPC? And what do I think about when I think about what makes this church great? I never think first or even second or third about our buildings. I don't ever think about the, the buildings of our church. I love our buildings. I love our chapel. I love our sanctuary. But I don't think about the buildings first when I think about what makes our church so incredible as a body of Christ. I always think about the people. I think about the people and I thought about this. Talk about spiritual pillars of our church. Tom Cates. Betty Green and Andrew Arthur. We're going to lay those three people to rest within weeks of each other. You know what makes our church great? It's people like them. It's those spiritual pillars of our church. That is That makes us who we are. I thought about Dick Notes, and Dick Notes didn't spend all of his adult faith here, life here, like those other three did, but you will never meet a finer gentleman, a nicer gentleman than Dick Notes thought about Pete Hawkinson, who died recently also. You will never find a better example of Nancy and Pete Hawkinson and what it means to love each other and keep your vows through sickness and in health. We've got people like Pete Hawkinson who would have loved to have been here every Sunday, but because of his health, he couldn't. And so he, he worshiped at home and he prayed at home and he loved his church as a shut-in. And so did Nancy. You want to talk about what makes this church incredible. It's always the people. I think about some of the modern day pillars and some of the, the saints who are up here Friday night and Saturday. Um, and just at, at, at the drop of a text, we had some modern day pillars come up on Friday night and get the chickens and the cows to higher ground. <laughs> By cows, I mean heavy furniture. And uh, to, to lift all the furniture out of the narthex and, and out of the parlor and to move it up to drier ground and drier spaces. And then a, a whole crew of people was here yesterday going through everything and salvaging everything we could from the preschool and the narthex and again, just putting it into a safe place. Um, and there's no way to thank everybody who, who was here and all the things that they did and our technical crew over there for what they're doing to let worship happen in here this morning, let you see it at home. You want to know what makes a church an incredible body of Christ? It's the people. It's always, always the people. So, wherever we worship, we will get together as the body of Christ. And we worship now in this sanctuary. Because do you know what makes a place a holy space? It's not the people, and it's not the architecture. It's the presence of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so you can have a sanctuary that's as beautiful as our sanctuary here at GPC, but a sanctuary can also be a broken down cinder block building in the middle of Mexico because God is there. You 
can have a backwoods country little chapel at the coming, and that's a church because God is there. So wherever the presence of God is, that is what makes it sanctuary. So is this a sanctuary? Absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. And it's likely going to be our sanctuary for a few months to come. What you will not hear from me, and I don't think from any other people, is any kind of woe is me, um, we're so sad, we're lamenting, we're, we're, we're just down in the dumps because of this. And, and yes, I lament the damage and nobody wants that. But we're not going to be defeated. We're not going to be defeated. When you think a broken pipe and 25,000 gallons of water coming out in our church can defeat us and keep us from worshiping God? Absolutely not. So what's going to happen is there's a crew right now in the sanctuary and they are cutting all the, the walls of the sanctuary up about 18 inches to get all the, the, the drywall and the insulation out, all the moisture out, because otherwise you've got milled and rot and, and mold that creeps in. So they're going to go through in the whole sanctuary and into the hallway and the parlor and all the preschool rooms downstairs. This week, they'll, they'll cut all the sheetrock out, pull, pull the insulation out. They're pulling in these huge humidifiers that are on a truck from Atlanta right now coming up to suck every ounce of moisture from our church. So anybody with dry skin, be careful because every ounce of moisture in our building is going to be pulled out in the next five days. And then we'll, be, we'll begin the, the renovation and the reconstruction process. So it's going to be a pain in the neck. There's going to be saws and hammers and drills and all kinds of things going on around here for the, the foreseeable future. And it's a mess for our, our little kids in the preschool and in the children's Sunday school especially. Think about them. Think about what's going on and the disruption for them. Say a prayer for them. All of that is going to be a huge pain in the neck. But we will not be defeated. We will keep on worshiping. We will keep moving forward and we'll keep being the incredible body of Christ that we always have been for 180 plus years and we will be well on into the future. We're going to be an amazing body of Christ together. So, as you may have remembered, what does Psalm 118.24 say? This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us worship God. Please stand as you're able, both here in the sanctuary and at home, and join us in the call of worship as printed in your bulletin. People of the covenant, God does not remember us according to our sins and transgressions. God remembers us according to The God of our salvation teaches us right paths and leads us in truth. God's vow has been <clears throat> hung in the clouds, a unilateral disarmament and spirit of our sin. God remains faithful to the covenant and steadfast love, even when we are unfaithful without fear, then we confess our sins. God of mercy, we begin this Lenten season in confession. We do not live according to your ways, but according to our own. We condone violence, participate in systems safely through the flood onto dry ground, so in baptismal waters we are brought 
from death into the new life of Christ. Jesus Christ, who is at the right hand of God, forgives us and reconciles us in all things in heaven and on earth. Thanks be to God for this good news. Good morning, boys and girls, Gina and Roy, and maybe other people that are with us this morning. So it's been a really, really exciting week in the life of a child, right? So we had this snowstorm of the decade, I guess. So it's been a blast at our house. We've had a ton of fun. We've had sledding. We've had um, kids being pulled on the back of our truck. We have done all kinds of fun things this week. We've had yummy food all week. It's been great. So what has been the most fun thing for you all in the snow this week? Can you think of something? What's been the most fun thing, Roy? Snowball fighting with my dad and friends. <laughs> so fun. Jean, can you think of something? Um, we built a snowman. That is so awesome. We don't get to do that very much here in the South. So it's really, really been great. Um, but we can also think, if you've watched the news, it has not been great for everybody, has it? There have been people who have a real, had a really hard time with power outages and um, lots of hardships. So one thing that we talk about in Sunday school a lot with our kids is even in the midst of the hard times, because some people have hard times, we can have joy. And of course, our kids got to have a lot of joy this week, but not everybody did. So we're going to keep them in our prayers. And um, we also are facing hard times here at church, but we can do that with joy over the next month. And we can just keep moving forward, and that is what we'll do. And um, we will revise Sunday school, and we will revise other things, and we will get back to um, the life of the church here as fast as we can. So we're really looking forward to that. So. Um, I just have a little snow memorabilia for you this morning to take. And then let's say a prayer together, okay? Will you all bow your heads with me? Dear loving God, thank you for a beautiful week. Be with us as we continue to move forward and rebuild. And be with those who have had a lot of suffering this week. Please join me in prayer. Let us pray. Holy God, we come to you now ready to listen to your word. Lord, your word is, as Isaiah says, it's like snowfall that comes down to the earth that does not come back to you until it accomplishes the purposes 
for which you sent it. And so, Lord, I pray that you would send forth your word now. Send it forth in what we read and in what we hear, in the preaching and the reading of your word, O oh God. May we be blessed and may it accomplish the purposes for which you sent it. pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Our first reading this morning comes to us from the New Testament. It comes to us from 1 Peter 3, reading verses 18 through 22. For Christ also suffered for sins once and for all, the unrighteous for the, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he also went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is eight persons, were saved through water, and baptism, which this prefigured, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. Church. Uh, my name is Kirsten King, for those of you who haven't met me, and it is a blessing to be here with you this morning. Uh, I've been, as Will said, a seminary intern here for the past five months as part of my studies at uh, PCUSA Seminary, Columbia Theological Seminary in Decatur, Georgia. Uh, I am being mentored by Pastor Susie, um, and also learning from the whole staff and many of you. And while we have been challenged by the pandemic to meet face-to-face, -face, I have had the chance to participate with some of you here in worship and on Zoom. This has been a time of great challenge to remain as engaged as we all would like, but I have felt very much connected here and supported. So I thank you for that care and you have shown me. So here we are today facing another challenge challenge of unanticipated waters. The waters have changed our worship setting. The waters have put new work before us. And as I reflected on our sermon message for today, I was more than struck by the incredible irony that we are listening for the word of God from the book of Genesis, chapter 9, verses 8 through 17, the story of Noah after the flood. Could there be any doubt that God's heart and engagement is ever-present here, and now, and always with God's people? So listen now for these words from our Hebrew scriptures. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth, and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on earth. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So today, we begin a new sermon series. For the next six weeks, our Lenten series will focus on the concept of covenants. A covenant is not a particularly unfamiliar word. For example, we talk about the covenant of marriage. But to us, covenant is usually thought of as a formal agreement or contract. It's usually understood as an agreement between two or more to either do or not do something. The structure of a covenant is usually a conditional arrangement with a typical if-then structure. If you do something, then some outcome will result. Or similarly, if you don't do something, some other outcome will result. So during the next six weeks, we will be reconnected with God's commitment and covenants as we experience them in Scripture. We'll be looking at these covenants particularly in light of our human response, both the good and the bad of human actions. We begin our series appropriately at the beginning with the very first covenant described in the Bible. The covenant made to reestablish order with the world. Before we delve into the amazing nature of this covenant, we need to take just a bit of a step back to remind ourselves how we got to where the text picks up. The story in the Hebrew writings in Genesis 1 beautifully and poetically described God's work of creation. A self-giving God is described, one who creates with mere spoken words to shape the cosmos. We repeatedly read that familiar refrain, and God said, let there be, and so. And then, it was so. God shapes the cosmos, separating light from dark, sky from water, seas from earth, and then God fills those environments with stars, sun, and moon, sea creatures and birds, land animals, and finally, humankind. From that watery chaos of Genesis 1, where the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, God orders creation, sees that it is good, and establishes a relationship for all created matter. God gives us humans a very special servant role to care for this order in the same way that God wills it to be. Humans are given responsibility for creation's sustained well-being. But, as we know, humans falter in that task. They begin to bring down God's created order God sees into the hearts of humans in Genesis 6 that every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continuing. Actions and hearts are inclined away from God's holistic order. And in Genesis 6, God is grieved. We read often in the translations that God is sorry. And God regrets creating humanity. But these words fall a bit short. This is more than being sorry. This is anguish. This is pain that God's loving creation has turned away from God's will for thriving. In anguish, God vows to blot out from the earth everything created. Plants, animals, humans, to wash it all away, cleanse the evil through a great flood. This was going to be global destruction. God painfully set out on a path with the world to seek justice for the evils present in the world and in the hearts and actions of humans. God despaired over humanity and decided to eradicate creation from the earth. And yet, there arose a hope. God calls out one man, the righteous Noah, 
a righteous man, blameless in his generation, who we read, walked with God. A phrase that shows close alignment with God's will. And God determines that while there will be a flood to bring an end to creation, Noah and his family and pairings of creatures of the air and land will be spared. You know how this goes. God directs the construction of a massive ark to protect Noah and his family. It will also hold pairs of every living thing. Noah does all that God commands to prepare for this. He builds the ark. Builds it, brings his family and creation inside, just as God asked. And God protectively shuts them in when the action is about to occur. The waters swell and rise until the time is complete and the devastation has occurred. God causes the waters to recede and once again exposes the dry earth. The flood subsides. And we read that God remembers Noah and all the wild and domestic animals in the ark. Now this is not remembering as if God had forgotten them, but more like remembering as in making provision for. We often use the phrase that we have remembered someone in our will. We have made provision for someone, provided for them for the future. We have remembered. Just as the psalmist pleaded in our reading from today, according to your steadfast love, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. Creation will be remembered out of God's life-giving concern. God provides for all creation. And miraculously, God does so entirely at God's own initiative. Noah and his wife, his sons and their wives, and every living thing emerges from the ark after the flood. And it is God who establishes a covenant, an agreement, an everlasting promise. In this epic defining moment, so pivotal in the story of Genesis, God reestablishes the sacred relationship with all creatures to preserve them from extinction. But notice something. This covenant is not a typical contract with humans and creatures agreeing to the, an if-then relationship. Noah never speaks. There is no dialogue. There are no negotiations of the terms and conditions. This is a unilateral covenant, one-sided, unconditional, from God's own initiative. No strings attached. God communicates what God intends to do or not do. Hear these words again. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. Now this doesn't mean that there will not be consequences for human behavior or that there will not be judgment. But from this point forward, there will be a different way for the divine relationship with creation. God makes this covenant knowing humanity will not be able to keep up the arrangement. The flood does not eliminate evil or incline hearts differently. It's not based on reciprocating works or merits of humans or creatures. God is establishing everlasting care for the health and well-being of creation. This covenant is based on God's grace and fidelity. This is a covenant not just with humans and God either, but with every animal of the earth for all future generations. From God's steadfast love and mercy, God will remember and provide for, intervene for, creation. Creation will be remembered out of God's life-giving concern. God states an irreversible change in God's own intention. As a seminary intern, I often 
have theological discussions with Pastor Susie, as you might expect. And recently, she challenged me to identify one word which seemed to shape my understanding of the Holy, of my emerging theology or understanding of God. I'm sure it comes to you as no surprise that Pastor Susie has a way of asking questions and engaging in dialogue that broadens your perspectives, makes you ponder your ways of knowing, and challenges your thinking. And of course, she was asking this uh, as a truly personal response, not one of church doctrine or historical tradition. And after several weeks of reflection, my word finally came to me. Transformation. The living, eternal creator with whom we move and have our being is all about transformation. In this text, God's own intentions transform. They transform while he is in relationship with Noah and creation. God transforms an anguished conviction headed toward creation's destruction into a life-giving covenant. God transforms. God is a changed and changing God. God will be with creation and for creation. God's nature is to create, not destroy, and will evolve and reveal and transform to show it. As a sign of this transformation, this covenant of the new beginning, God offers a sign, a bow in the clouds, an everlasting covenant between God and the earth. A bow. The bow, which in all but one other place in the Bible is a reference to a weapon, a bow and arrow. The bow and arrow, which is used by soldiers in other stories as an instrument of death, is transformed. God takes this bow with its arched form and it removes the string that creates the tension to pull back and aim the arrow. God then hangs up the bow with the arch that would have directed the arrow toward us for destruction, now pointing away from the earth. God hangs the bow with no strings attached. The creator who brings life sets into the clouds a stringless bow as a sign of peace to remind God of the life-assuring covenant. Never again. Friends, in a world like ours, where contracts and agreements and legal documents are outlined in detail, the terms and conditions signed in triplicate, with clauses and repercussions and penalties, how does this covenant even seem possible? When do we experience relationships where the covenants do not prescribe the repercussions of failure? When does one party offer provisions without a single word of dialogue or engagement to describe the obligation of the other? When is such grace and steadfast love offered without reciprocating expectations? Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. In this text, we see there is a God who seeks to engage us, to fulfill the vision of creation, to prosper. All creation, humans, creatures, plants, animals, water, air, this God seeks a world in which all things that are are held together, not cut off. This is the promise we receive in this covenant. Therefore, how do we live into this promise, one in which we are shown the potential for creation? Do we take the posture of the psalmist pleading to know the ways and paths of the Lord? 
Will we seek patiently and humbly to understand God's ways and follow God's paths? Will we seek to love God and love all others as God has loved us? Or will we ignore the very goodness of God's creation and provoke a flood of our own doing? Lent offers us a season to reflect on God's promissory relationship with us and the world. Let us consider our violence and neglect for each other and our environment. Let us consider the divine power of creation and justice that willingly sets limits on God's own actions. God surrenders not just for a Lenten season, but for all time. The divine right to destroy is surrender. As we move through this season of Lent, let us consider the surrendering sacrifice to come, God's own Son, Jesus the Christ. Friends, be reassured, we are recipients of covenantal commitment of mercy and grace. Accept it. Live it. Share it. Amen. My brothers and sisters, we have been blessed to hear God's word both read and proclaimed to us. So let us now stand and together affirm our faith with enthusiasm using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born under Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. And let us turn to God in prayer. God of all goodness, we praise you that in Jesus Christ your kingdom has drawn near and is present even now in our midst. Help us to live as if it were so, and bear witness to its presence among us. And hear us now as we bring to you our prayers of intercession, saying, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We turn to you, holy God, for comfort. We are beyond weary with these punches. One, two, three. Three, four, we've lost count. Pandemic, sub-freezing weather, ice, snow, water shortage, shortages, cold homes, a bowl water order, and then this flood right here in our own house of worship. Through all these, we know that you are present with us and that you will lead and guide us each moment of each day. And so we are grateful for all that we do have, most especially your love, compassion, and tender care. And so we move beyond our own needs, and we pray for so many who are hurting desperately. We pray for your children across the state of Texas. Lord God, they are suffering and many are dying. We pray for relief to come to them all soon and very soon. And so we say, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the world, 
For there is hurt and suffering and devastation in so many areas due to extreme weather conditions and due to the ongoing global pandemic. We pray for leaders everywhere. May each one seek your guidance so they will know your pathway of compassion, mercy, kindness, and love upon which to walk and with which to lead all humankind according to your will. We pray for your church universal and for our own community of faith in particular. We need you, Lord God, to show us the way forward as your disciples today, tomorrow, and always. And so we pray, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We give you thanks and praise for the healthcare professionals who continue to work tirelessly to care for the sick and infirmed. May they be blessed with all that they need for each day. And may they know your holy presence in their own lives. We pray for those who continue to suffer from economic realities of this pandemic and now the bull water order especially, we pray for local business owners. May they see relief coming soon. And may they know that we hold them in your holy light through our prayers without ceasing. We pray for those who are being born today and those whose earthly life will end today. May the babies be blessed with their lives filled with your love, and may they grow up to be those who bless others. May those who die this day leave a legacy of compassion, kindness, and love. For both in death and in life, we belong to you, and we pray, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. We thank you that vaccines are here for many and coming for the rest of us. Help us to hang on to your hope and your healing power so that one day we can be reunited with our loved ones in the here and now. And now we come to you, holy God, and we name out loud all of those who are near to us and to our community of faith. Hear us as we name them now. God of tender healing mercies, bless those that we have named in our hearts and in our silence, and bless others too that we know are in deep need and are known to you, and hear us as we pray. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Holy God, as we embark on this Lenten journey, empower us with courage and faithfulness. Enable us to be your hands and feet your voice, and your presence wherever we are, always knowing that you are already there before we arrive, and we only need to join in your mission to reconcile the world back to you. Grant us humility and kindness, strength and courage, perseverance and patience, compassion and love, so that we know that we are yours and that you are going before us guarding behind us, being our foundation, and always the light upon our pathway. And so we have nothing to fear. And hear us now as we join our many voices into one voice and pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. My friends, even in the midst of our struggles, we are deeply and richly blessed. And so now we have the opportunity to return to God a portion of all that we have received through the blessings of God. And so if you're worshiping with us online, I invite you to go to the giving tab on our, on our website. And there you will find multiple ways to give 
to the work of God's church. And if you're worshiping with us here in our sanctuary, you'll find the offering trays just there at the door before you leave. Let us now give to God with great joy and generosity. Thank you.
We pray that you will receive them as a sign of our covenant with you, Almighty God, and our commitment to follow Jesus Christ as his disciples wherever he leads us to go. We pray that you will use our gifts and us to further your kingdom on earth. Through Christ we pray. Amen.
Kill me up. Go to black. Go to black. Stu, go to black. Well, I can't turn it off. 